Welcome to the Aftershock postgame show. I'm Phil Leva, joined today by Jamin Moore and Robert Jonas. And it's all smiles at the stadium on a night in which Frank Yalop gets inducted into the Earthquakes Hall of Fame. They come away with three points, the first win in league play this season, and two consecutive wins with uh, Alex Covello at the helm of the team after getting the win in the U.S. Open Cup match. Gentlemen, there's so much to talk about uh, after this match regarding substitutions, tactics, formation, individual players, performances. But Robert, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to you first and get your initial thoughts regarding the match. Uh, absolutely. You know, this was a, a really fun atmosphere to, to be a part of. We had the window open here in the press box so we could kind of soak it all in. Uh, there was that same sort of sense of dread when the Quakes were down by a couple goals, especially when Seattle was able to put it at 3-1 early in the second half. But that amazing couple of minute streak where 3-2 and then Jackson Ewell 3-3 to tie it up really energized things. You started to hear cheering from all corners of the stadium. You know, the fans were definitely engaged. Supporters group on either end zone, you know, really making a, a fuss, making a great noise. And uh, you just knew that last 20 minutes was going to be uh, something to, to behold. And uh, sure enough, we weren't disappointed with a little assist from VAR. No, no problem there. And the Quakes, uh, you know, crumpled to the ground in, uh, in exhaustion, but in celebration of a 4-3 victory. So if, uh, if you were out here at the stadium today, I'm sure you would agree that was a, a really, really fun night out. Absolutely. Cowboy doing some Cowboy things at the end of the match there to draw the penalty to put Espinosa in position to get the hat trick. Um, how about you, Jamin? What, what are your thoughts regarding the match? Oh, well, uh, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. All right. Two computers here. Sometimes it's hard to be able to tell the difference. Uh, I was just going to let Robert go there for a while. Uh, so, look, I mean, the first half was interesting. Uh, I think both fan bases actually felt that the other team played better, which I thought was pretty funny. It's always interesting when you've got a lot of followers on both sides of, a, of, uh, of, the, uh, of the match because you can kind of see like what everyone is feeling in the moment sometimes. And the Sounders, despite being up 2-0, their fans were like nervous because the Quakes kept bringing this energy. And yeah, sure. I mean, you've got two wild cards back there at center back and, uh, you know, in, uh, in Nathan and Calvo. And yeah, certainly I think I'm going to probably have to ask uh, Cavello a bit because they're hard attack central. Um, you know, they are going to be aggressive Almeida era or no, they are going to be who they are. And, uh, you know, that brought a lot of excitement to this match, uh, because of, you know, both the good and the bad, uh, that, that, that they both did, particularly Nathan in the first half and, uh, Calvo, not so much good, but it got better in the second half for him. And, and he, you know, in the end kind of drew the penalty, I guess you could say, uh, that led to the winning goal. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it was it was a heart attack. But what I did like is that the second half definitely showed uh, a bit more promise 
on the defensive side of things. I was, Robert and I were kind of going back and forth during the match. And I think, you know, there was a question as to, is this defense actually looking better? And the thing that I noticed is that, well, maybe the results are not necessarily better, but it definitely in the second half was better uh, able to handle the transitions. Even the goal that happened, there were a lot of guys in the middle. And what they were doing is they were giving kind of the wings the ability to be able to uh, to be utilized while kind of clogging the middle. That's a completely opposite thing of what we were seeing with Matias Almeida when everyone was just spread out and there was a bunch of people coming through the middle. So they like swung the pendulum completely the other way and maybe too far, to be quite honest. And, and I think that's worth a conversation. But, you know, who, look who you're playing. You're playing the Seattle Sounders. They got weapons on the outside. They have weapons in the middle. I mean, if you're going to give up one thing, they're going to take advantage of another, right? Schmetzer's not a dumb coach. The Sounders are smart players uh, and they found holes at times, but quite a bit of the night, the Quakes had people around to be able to handle danger much more so than in previous games. And that's, I think, the part to build upon defensively. Now, when you're not playing the Sounders, you know, are you going to give up three goals? Maybe not. Maybe you'll give up one, maybe two, maybe get a clean sheet now and then, but it should be a little bit better. And I think that second half, I think they made some adjustments that actually worked really well. You know, I find that really interesting, Jamin, that you picked up on the, the defensive changes or kind of how the, the team was shaped a little bit differently, especially in the middle there, because I noticed in the second half, particularly, that uh, there was we're seeing like a lot of space on the outside, like normally where the fullbacks would be occupying the positions, right? And when you go up against a player like Jordan Morris, like that can be a really frightening thing. Although <laughs> I think it should be noted that the last time uh, or one of the last times that the Quakes played the Seattle Sounders and Jordan Morris had a big impact on the match, he just ran right down the middle with the ball and scored anyway, right? So um, quite interesting that you picked up on that. And I think this is a good segue into something that I wanted to talk to you two about, which is what were some of the differences, the particular differences that you have picked up on so far? You've already noted one, Jamin, with the, the defensive, some of the defensive efforts that we're seeing from the team. But what are some of the differences that we're seeing so far now that Alex Covello is at the helm? Um, if there are any differences at all, and from what we saw before with uh, Matias Almeida. Robert, you got thoughts in, in regard to that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when the, when we saw the starting 11 posted, it was you know, essentially the same lineup and probably the strongest lineup that you could expect off of this roster. Um, no one really playing out of position than uh, from the Mateus days. So, you know, it was going to be a case of, you know, would individual players have different assignments uh, as opposed to going with a different lineup? Um, I think Jamiro Montero had a, an excellent game overall. You know, he was very active when he was playing on the wing in the first half, you know, a player that, you know, really started to kind of boss that side of the field. And then when they brought in Cade Cal and he went central, he was having even more action, more, more play with the ball. Um, even as a winger, you'd see him flying across the field and, and cutting across John Gray Goose and looking for that pass, you know, just very, very energized, you know, look like a player who's comfortable with his team, comfortable with his teammates, something he's been saying for many, many weeks that he knew would take a little time to get used to here in San Jose. And this is for, for me by far the best game that we've seen out of him. So that was, I think, a big plus. Um, other than that, uh, again, a lot of, uh, you know, sort of a lot of the same old, same old, you know, Eric Hermetti putting out the fire when the, the two Quake center backs decided they were actually forwards instead of defenders. And that was, uh, again, as Jamin said, a, a very exciting part of tonight's game. 
Um, but uh, that was uh, that was uh, something to to remark as well. And one thing I do want to note is, you know, you know, Alex Cavallo used just three of his available substitutes tonight. So you know, he went with the guys that he thought gave this team the best chance to win. And as they gained momentum, he left them out there to see what they could do, to see what kind of finish they could deliver. And sure enough, Quakes have uh, their first victory of the season. So uh, you know, I guess Alex pushed all the red buttons this week. Absolutely, I I totally agree with that. And I, I one thing that was pretty exciting for me to see uh, from a, like a fan's perspective and, and looking at the game and trying to analyze and try to figure out, you know, what's going right for the Quakes versus what's happening with Seattle with, you know, going up against somebody like Schmetzer, who oftentimes has this performing like mockery, right? That they are often uh, able to very quickly counter as they did when they, well, they had maintained possession. The moment in which the Quakes were, uh, you know, it looked as if they were themselves going to win possession from the Sounders. They, they Your webinar is currently in off-air mode, and Seattle attendees will join in the waiting room. Um, there are the Quakes just did a really great members job. In this conference. Um, sorry, I just heard like... Hey, everyone. We'll be starting here in, in just a few minutes. If you have a question for head coach Alex Cavello, please... Uh, shoot me a message in the chat in your upper left corner. Thank you. Okay. The point I was going to make really quickly, the Quakes did a really great job with making the on-the-field effort that was necessary for the team in order to score the goals. So, like, uh, individual player performances particularly, we're looking at Jamero Montero winning the ball, sending the ball out wide, uh, receiving it back, and then very quickly distributing to Jackson Yule to score the goal, right? This, to me, looks as something that is happening in a contained environment on the pitch, whereas... I think oftentimes the Seattle Sounders are more so credited with the tactical approach from the coach's perspective. I think we saw some really impressive stuff from the players and their resilience, which we saw in the Matias era. And I think this is something that's carrying over into what we're seeing with Covello now. And I think is a really special thing that we can see from this team. So for, for me and my perspective, I think that's one thing, one shift that perhaps we could see that's different. That could be a really good thing moving forward um, as the season goes on for this team as they're trying to get more points. So Jamin, um, any thoughts regarding some of the differences you noted under Alex Covello's system? Yeah, I, one of the big things was, uh, and I think uh, someone mentioned it with Paul Marie, is that uh, the the outside backs and particularly Paul were tucking in and that was something we had talked to Alex Covello about midweek was uh, what we had seen in the game on Tuesday you know, was the defensive midfielder tucking inside. In fact, we had gotten a chance after the game to write to talk to Jack Skane about that. And he had uh, he had talked about that in detail with us. And when I brought it up to Cavello on Thursday, he said that, well, you know, there's many ways to do what we did, and it really depends on the personnel. Well, tonight, he kind of did the exact same thing in many ways with, uh, with Paul Marie, he, instead of, particularly in the second half, instead of providing a lot of additional width, he actually allowed um, Christian Espinoza to provide the width, and he kind of stayed inside, and that provided some additional defensive structure in the middle of the pitch. And, you know, one of the things for me that I noticed a lot in the second half was while it, you know, we're not talking about banks of four here, um, because that wouldn't be very Quakes-like uh, at this point, at least, uh, at least not in the modern era. Um, you know, the, uh, what we were talking about was just having that ability to have more people in the middle of the pitch. And again, that gave up a bit on the wings and that'll be something Cavello is going to need to adjust to, because as coaches notice that those things happen, you know, they're going to, to absolutely, uh, adjust to that. But for me, the biggest difference tonight was how, whether he was inside or outside Montero really made, uh, uh, touched the ball a lot tonight. And I think that was a huge difference. We're going to go to Alex Cavello right now. 
All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being with us tonight. Following tonight's dramatic 4-3 victory over Seattle Sounders FC, we are joined by interim head coach Alex Cavello. Let's jump right into questions with Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Hi, coach. Congratulations on the victory, your second one and your first one in MLS play. And the first one the Earthquakes have had over the Sounders at PayPal Park in, in many years. Um, but there was, a, there was a lot of heart attack moments tonight. Uh, did you intend it for it to be so exciting? And, uh, you know, what did you think overall of the performance from the team? Who stood out to you uh, in terms of the performances tonight on the pitch in terms of translating what you wanted from the game plan? And making it happen. Thank you. Muted. Thank you. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think that we need to congratulate the guys. They did a great effort. It was not easy to be down three-one and and come back to the game. Um, and in relation with the with the game and counter attacks, um, I agree. I think that we should control more, a little bit more, the the offensively part. Uh, and in the same way, the defensively part, in sometimes we were too much exposed, but um, it's, a, it's, about, it's a matter of work. We need to keep working. Thank you, Alex. Let's go to Robert Jonas. Uh, thank you. Tonight, uh, your, your star player has to be Christian Espinosa with uh, three goals, including the game winner, a very cool take on the, on the penalty kick. Talk about you know the the, the game he had and, and just the, the conversations you had with him this week as, as you prepared this team to face the Sanders. Thank you. No, I think that Christian is a player, is a great professional player, as he's a great human being. He always has been professional, and, and today he worked even more, and um, and he had his reward. I think that uh, no one can complain about the effort that he does every game. Sometimes it uh, doesn't work, and sometimes you have the, this, this reward, and he had it. So congratulate him the same way that all the, all the guys. They, they, they have been amazing, their behavior, so I'm so happy for them. Thank you, Alex. Let's go to Paolo Maruri. Good evening, coach. I would like to say congratulations for this victory. And then my question is, how was the preparation for this game in less than a week? And how do you guys manage priorities for this game? Thank you so much. Yes, the, the, the week was short. I think it was um, two days preparation. One and a half because uh, we both here. Um, was difficult because we only had two days um, and um, we tried to analyze a little bit Seattle and, and try to touch uh, the points that we want to work. Uh, I think that we try to put more attention in us, you know, in order to see if we can start to see certain moments, you know, uh, during the game, the thing that, that we want to see. And I think that not too many, but for a certain certain moments, we we saw them. Thank you, Alex. This question comes from Ted Ramey. He says, can you talk about the energy the fans provided in the stadium, particularly when Christian Espinoza stepped up to take the penalty? No, this is unbelievable. I cannot describe. I have been here uh, since 2017, and it's amazing the energy that the, the fans are, are providing to the club. Always. 
That's why I learned one sentence here when I came and a friend of mine told me, you know, Goonies never say die. So here we are. Thank you, Alex. We're going to take uh, three more questions, starting with Fabian Renkel. Sorry, Fabian, I, I pr just promoted you. We'll come back to you. Let's go to Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Hi, Coach. Thank you for uh, taking taking another one. Uh, one of the things that we noticed tonight was how much more involved in the game it felt Jamiro Montero was. You started him on the left side, but he was in the middle a lot in the second half. Can you talk about what your game plan was for Jamiro and uh, the contribution that he brought tonight to the game? Thank you. Mm -hmm. Muted. Very good question. Yeah, the, the intention was uh, to to find Jamiro Montero coming from outside to inside in those packets, uh, which is a is his position. The thing is that we were not able to rotate and keep the ball too much, you know, so it was difficult to find him. Um, that's why also in the second half we 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 make some substitutions. Thank you, Alex. Let's go to Abel Enguiano. Hi, Coach. Thanks for taking the time to answer my question. So coming into the season, there was a lot of um, questions about who was going to be playing right back for the earthquakes. That was uh, There was a lot of uncertainty. But today, Paul Marie put on um, what I would say is a really good performance. So um, uh, what do you think about him being the starting right back? Well, I think that, <coughs> excuse me, um, Paul Marie had a, a very good performance in the same way that he he did the other day in US Open Cup. Obviously, the other day he was more involved with ball, but Paul Marie, I think in college, was an advancing midfielder. So we know that uh, playing him a little bit more inside, we could have a little bit also control. So he did an amazing job. He did a great effort because it was not easy to play against um, to play. Thank you, Alex. Uh, Fabian Renkel. Thank you, Alex, for your time today, and congratulations on the win. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the, the halftime talk that you had with the guys. Um, what did you tell the guys in the halftime, um, and what fired them up so much to try to get this win? Thank you. No, well, I think that I, I don't like to talk uh, too much about what happened inside the look room, no? but uh, basically it was to calm down a little bit. I think that uh, the desire to win the game, you know, uh, was so high, which, uh, you know, that desire is good, but uh, obviously you have to think about the game. But um, I think that they they start better also the second half, you know, in certain moments. Thank you, Alex. We're going to take one final question from Robert Jonas. Um, Alex, you know, you mentioned briefly the uh, sort of the emotions of the game, but uh, I was hoping you could kind of detail your personal emotions, you know, both in the, the lead up today, knowing this was going to be your first major league soccer game in charge, you know, the way this game unfolded and, and then just the aftermath. And I saw you kind of going up and down the sideline, kind of waving and cheering to the fans. So, you know, clearly this was a moment that you enjoy, but can you walk us through the kind of the emotions you felt today? Well, I tried to to hold a little bit in the emotions during the game because it was uh, was not an easy game, you know, the way that uh, it was. 
but um, it's a big emotion. It's a big emotion because I, I told you guys, I, I love this club. I'm going to do whatever I have to do for this club. So it's a special. All right. Thank you very much, Alex, and congratulations on the win. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you guys very much for your questions. Uh, we will be bringing in man of the match, Christian Espinoza. If you have a question for Christian, please let me know uh, as soon as you can, and I'll put you in the queue. Thank you. All right. You heard it. Christian Espinoza is going to be up next. Um, let's, let's reflect a bit on some of the answers that Alex Covello gave. I think a couple things that stood out to me, uh, the old mantra, Goonies never say die, comes up once again after the Quake score. Uh, after the 90th minute, <laughs> the wind, wasn't sure if I was going to be hearing that one again anytime soon. It's nice to hear it. Uh, Alex is bringing it back. Alex Covello is bringing it back. I think that's really cool. Um, I have a couple thoughts, though. One, I thought it was interesting that he brought up Paul Marie's uh, previous work as a midfielder in college and how he kind of like used that as a, a sort of a basis for perhaps allowing him or giving the, him the incentive to move forward, which is to me really nice because. I think at times Christian Espinoza has, has had some really uh, difficult moments trying to get past defenders as he's attacking toward the opposite end line, uh, trying to create something in the attack. And so to have Paul Marie there to kind of interplay with him and interchange, I think is a really nice way for this offense to get going. And we saw that a lot from Paul Marie tonight. So that was one thing I was thinking about. And the other thing, um, Jamin, you had a question as well about, uh, let's see. Finding Jamiro Montero inside rather than on the wing. Why don't we start right there, and then, Robert, we can move over to your questions as well. So, Jamin, some of your thoughts reflecting on Alex Covello's responses to your questions. Yeah, so uh, obviously, you know, I, I, I always – it's a privilege to get to ask two questions. Alex Morgan, not here tonight, so I asked if I could ask the second one. Uh, you know, for me, Jamiro Montero, and I know like Christian Espinoza got the hat trick. And so everyone's going to say Christian Espinoza, man of the match. But for me, the Quakes do not win this match without the performance that they got from Jamiro Montero tonight. Right. He was absolutely the glue and it was on both sides of the ball. Uh, he was everywhere. I think everything we had heard about Jamiro Montero coming in. We saw it on display tonight for the first time end to end this season. And like, I feel a lot better now about him, you know, in effect becoming, you know, potentially the showpiece replacement. I don't know if he wasn't used to his strengths by Almeida um, or Cavello specifically tried to re realize that and did a game plan that would really take advantage of those strengths. But man, keep using this guy because. I think uh, I think he's one of the bigger differences between a win and a draw or a loss uh, that I saw tonight uh, in this team in terms of the things that were different. He was different, um, and I and I do think like to some extent there there was uh, a an effort to get Christian Espinoza more shots. Um, I think Alex Cavello has been here since 2017. He saw 2019. He knows what Christian Espinoza's you know, capable of, and I'm not going to be surprised if he had a conversation with him and said, Hey buddy, we need you to step up. You know, you're a DP on this team. You need to be a leader. We need you to sometimes put the ball on your shoulders. And, uh, you know, I think that's what Christian Espinoza tried to do tonight. Did he try to do too much at times? Absolutely. But that's what you do when you are that guy, when you are supposed to be carrying the ball, you're going to take the shots that, uh, you know, that others are not willing to, to take at times. 
And, uh, you know, one of the things that the Quakes were doing very early on was peppering the goal with shots. And like, if nothing else changed, that would be a pretty good change right there. Um, and uh, making sure that they're out shooting the Sounders. By the way, uh, a couple bits of, uh, a couple stats, I should say, uh, courtesy of, uh, of um, Jake Bassani from Earthquakes PR here. This was the first win. I think a couple of people may have mentioned it or, or knew it already. This is the first win against the Sounders at PayPal Park since it opened. The team was 0-4-4 against the Sounders, and in none of those games did they score more than one goal. So let that sink in a little bit tonight. That's a big, big performance, and particularly with the Sounders, you know, maybe looking a little bit past them. And, and we talked, you know, uh, about to Jeremiah O'Shan about the possibility of that, maybe looking a little bit past them a little bit. And sure, I mean, I think also some of the substitutions from the Sounders were to keep people, you know, players, you know, ready to be able to go to Pumas. But, uh, you know, you can take nothing away from the Quakes in the second half. They they did get a little bit more conservative defensively, which did help a lot. And they definitely found the groove on the offensive side. You know, maybe a little bit lucky in a couple situations, but you make your own luck just like the Sounders did in the first half as well. So it goes both ways. Yeah, definitely. And look, the Sounders still had Raul Ruiz Diaz, Nico Lodero, Jordan Morris. Full strength lineup. Full strength lineup. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone so, except for Yimar is the normal starter in their position. He was injured tonight and on the bench. Yeah. So that's a full strength lineup for them. And the center back that they put in, they think he's like the center back of the future. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not a, you know, backup guy. It's a guy that they think is the future. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I couldn't help but think of Wondolowski being on the sideline as an assistant coach and what kind of influence he might have on these guys already. Um, I mean, this is, you know, there's no basis to this, but when I was watching Espinoza consistently attacking the goal and not quitting, especially that um, the, the second goal that he scored, you know, uh, or I guess it would have been the first goal that he scored when he just, you know, knocked it in on the volley. Like he was really pushing consistently to, to, to get in there and score. It was just so reminiscent of Wondolowski and his impact in the 18 yard box that he had on, on this team for a decade. So, um, Robert, you asked a really great question about Covello's feelings coming into this match and his first league match, uh, as manager. And I'm curious as to what your thoughts are to his response and perhaps some of the other things he said in the press conference as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big night, you know, that, and this is not a, you know, just a two hour moment of his life. You know, this is something that he's been thinking about, I'm sure for the last couple of days, he probably thought about it when he woke up this morning and, and, you know, watching him on the sideline after that game, you know, kind of go back and forth, hands in the air, you know, he was celebrating with the fans, the fans were celebrating with him. Um, I think, uh, you know, he's probably going to be a bit exhausted by the time he comes down from that emotional high later tonight. But, uh, you know, for the moment, you know, he was definitely reveling in it and enjoying uh, enjoying that time. Um, as you probably heard, as you were listening along, you know, he uh, he dropped the Goonies Never Say Die reference, uh, you know, com commenting that that was one of the first phrases he learned when he came to San Jose. So he's definitely got that club ethos down if, he, uh, if he's got that at the tip of his tongue. So hats off to Cavello for that as well. Um, just, uh, you know, saw a coach that, you know, was happy to praise his players um, to let everyone know that it wasn't just the stars, but, you know, he, he felt they they did what they needed to do. And again, against a top Seattle team, a top lineup for that Seattle team. So one thing I, I did want to talk about a little bit and feel free to chime in here if you have any thoughts uh, regarding this gentleman or if you want to shift gears 
uh, towards another direction was Jeremy Abobasi's performance in this match because I was looking at the heat map here. And one thing I noticed is that he actually got a lot of touches in and around the 18-yard box. And I think that's really important for him, especially because uh, last time we heard from him directly in a press conference, he noted that he wants to contribute to the team's effort, uh, not just in scoring the goals, but having a presence uh, as well. And, and, you know, I think there were times during the season when Jabo was kind of feeling that he wasn't necessarily getting the touches he wanted. And what this tells me uh, as a viewer is that he's the fact that he's getting the touches in and around the 18 yard box. If, if you look, it's almost some of it right there in that uh, zone 14. He is he's finding confidence in his relationship with the other players on the team. And I don't know if that's like a matter of the, you know, the complexion of the the midfield, like who's actually playing in the midfield, who's out on the wings and distributing the back, uh, the ball back towards the, the middle for him to get those touches. But it tells me that he is really settling in well with the team. And I know this is something that we talked about earlier in the season, uh, Jamin, and one of the older uh, aftershocks that we did after another show, and that um, he just needs to continue to find uh, those passes from, from his teammates. And he needs to be able to distribute those as well. And I think it was Asher who actually talked about that more specifically. He was saying that, you know, being able to find the, the touches and to distribute effectively to his teammates. And I think we're starting to see that a lot more with Jabo. So I'm curious as to what your thoughts are, Jamin, in regards to his performance and perhaps, you know, why we are seeing what we're seeing from him now and why he is, uh, you know, quite literally one of the league leaders in goals at the moment. Well, it was a problem of connecting back to front. And if you take a look at the way that the Quakes attacked tonight, they made sure that there was always going to be a connectivity between any pass that came through the central midfield. It could go potentially in a number of different directions from there. And the announcers, I, I thought were kind of interesting in the first half because I actually think Tudin's announcers are pretty terrible, at least on the English side. Um, they don't know how to say a bobacy for one thing. So, you know, just make, make that kind of hard, but I've been critical of those guys in the past. They're just not yeah, very I just, good. I listened in Spanish. I'm not All right. So I, yeah, he, a lot of people don't know that Phil Blava is our resident uh, Latino on the show, by the way. <laughs> My Spanish is kind of bad though. I got to admit, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I speak it terribly. Well, no, it's good that you listen to the Spanish. It's probably way better than the English. So on the English side, one of the things that they were saying was how, the, uh, the Quakes attack was very stagnant. I actually felt that they were fairly unpredictable in the first half because, again, the way that they were kind of setting up is that the pass could potentially go in any of the various directions. It could go into the box. It could go to the wings. It could go uh, square where it was safe to go square without creating a counterattack, although sometimes they did it when it would create a counterattack. Uh, it could go potentially backwards or diagonal out to the side. So there was a lot of movement. That was something that was not existing in the first three, four games of the season. I think the first game, it was okay against the Red Bulls, but particularly the, then the two away games, uh, the first two away games, that connectivity was not there. And one of the things that uh, Cavello is known for uh, as a tactician is making sure to kind of push the offense up and put players into various positions so they always have options. Tonight, no player was an island, almost ever. Just go back and watch the entire game. If, if you've watched the last few games, you'll see times where players are islands. They're all by themselves having to win 1v1, sometimes 1v2 battles, and they're getting outnumbered. Uh, tonight, that, I mean, I don't even remember it happening. It probably did. I'd have to go back and check the tape. But the thing that I noticed is that there was always help. There was always support. 
pulling players over instead of spreading players out so far, pulling players over to the side of the field that the ball was at. And hey, if the ball switches, we'll we'll move and switch when we need to. It kept the switch option open, but they always had support. And I think like that was one of the biggest differences in terms of how to get Jeremy Abobasi on the ball, how to get Jamiro Montero on the ball, how to get Christian Espinoza on the ball. These are your weapons. They need to be on the ball. Uh, it's critically, critically important. And even when Kate Cowell came in in the second half, lots of touches, even on the wing. So, you know, it's important that these guys are all options. Uh, and uh, I think that what, that was one of the, the much, much better elements of what I saw tonight, in addition to the defensive solidity that it brought, because now you're in a position to, to defend when you turn the ball over. It also kept the attack connected in a way that we really haven't fully seen this season uh, quite at this level. And I'm not going to say it's going to result in four goals every game um, because there was a bit of luck again in some of the goals tonight on both sides, but uh, it did keep the attack flowing. And I thought kept it at times, unpredictable so long as the players allowed it to be unpredictable and robert i'd like to get you back in on the conversation here as well uh, just your general thoughts regarding the offensive output from the team uh, whether it was jeremy abobasi particularly that you wanted to discuss or any other element of the the offense here yeah i want to kind of piggyback a little bit on on just what jaymon was talking about there and uh, something i think i texted to him during the game uh, you know we know when you're watching the seattle sounders you're going to see the quick passes the kind of the rondos if you will happening within the game as as their players get tight and, and control the ball but we were also seeing that with the quakes at times not nearly at a seattle level but you know you mentioned jaybo getting the ball you mentioned uh, you know montero always looking for the ball guys are going to the passes a lot too is something i was noticing you know, gray goose was uh, you know, a big part of that. And uh, you can see Jackson Yule sort of cleaning things up as well. So really, really pleased to see that movement. Um, at times it, uh, it looked promising. Um, and, uh, you know, as long as you're getting closer to the goal and uh, holding more possession, you know, eventually you hope to get more shots. This cycles back to something we talked earlier about uh, Christian Espinosa, who we're going to get to talk to here shortly. You know, he was taking shots and shot on frame, which I think was in a very important part of it, you know, for, for a player and for a team overall that under Almeida was, was supposed supposedly you know, playing with passion and not afraid to make mistakes. Guys look tight at times, like they didn't want to take those chances, but you know, maybe they felt a little less shackled uh, with, uh, with uh, Covello in charge and started to, to find opportunities, take shots. And again, not all of them on target, but hey, if you, you, don't, if you don't take shots, you're not going to take goals. And that was something that I was very impressed with. You know, one thing I did write down here as well about uh, Jeremy Abobasi is you know just he you know his vision on the you know off the ball i could see him moving a lot more into spaces as opposed to sort of just sort of trying to pull defenders away and i think that was a little bit of a different christian espinoza well. is on his way we'll be starting any moment thank you all right there's the call <laughs> it looks like we'll be getting espinoza here really soon um, i'm going to go ahead and start uh, with a point here and then once espinoza jumps in we'll go ahead and stop and come back to it respond to what uh, Christian has to say during the press conference. Um, I, I do have one thing that I thought was important to talk about, and that is the tendencies of the players to revert back to those things that we saw uh, that were particular to Matias Almeida's system and style of play. So, Jamin, you mentioned earlier that we were still seeing some of that wild play from the center backs, uh, both actually Calvo and Nathan at times going high up the pitch, 
Um, but then coming back and defensively finding the shape in order to defend. But we were still seeing that movement from the center backs high up the pitch. I think there were some other moments where we saw some of the elements of the the man marking at times. Um, I don't have any time signatures here to, that I can refer to particularly, but I know I spotted it during the match. We definitely saw the team pressing at times as well, especially in the second half. Um, and that was really what led to the Jamiro Montero goal as well. So we saw them kind of going on and off on, on their press. So I'm just curious if, if y'all had any ideas about, you know, are these just player tendencies or perhaps have we seen some of the carryover from Matias Almeida's system when he was the head coach? Well, no, I think you're actually seeing how Alex Cavello has incorporated some of the ideas from Matias Almeida into his own structure. In fact, I talked to him about this when uh, the season was about to start for Quakes 2, and I have an exclusive, and you can still catch it on quakesepicenter.com not that long ago. And uh, I asked him about his style and how much of Almeida was incorporated into it. Now we have Christian Espinoza here, so I'll come back and try to finish that after the Espinoza uh, part of the press conference. Hello, everyone. Thank you for your patience. We are now joined by midfielder Christian Espinoza, tonight's man of the match. Let's go ahead and jump right into questions with Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Hi, Christian. Congratulations on the win. Congratulations on the hat trick tonight. Uh, obviously, you were very aggressive tonight in trying to make things happen in the attacking side. We noticed also Jamiro Montero much more involved tonight. Did you guys talk about how much more involved you both needed to be on the attacking side? Because it really felt like it came together tonight better than it has in any game this season so far. Thank you. Muted. Decirle que, que sí, que todos estamos eh, comprometidos en, eh, a la hora de marcar, a la hora de presionar, porque sabemos que, que si lo hacemos en en zonas altas de la cancha, como lo hemos hecho hoy durante todo el partido, tenemos la posibilidad de recuperar la pelota y poder atacar inmediatamente y, y yo creo que es algo que nos va a beneficiar a todos. Yeah, we were able to just communicate and uh, plan out the um, a really strong connection between him and I. Uh, the further up we were able to go up in the field, the more dangerous we were able to be. So that was something that him and I were talking through it and it's something that we're going to try to do more uh, in each game. Thank you, Christian. Let's go to Fabian Renkel. Hola, Christian. Gracias por tu tiempo y felicitaciones en tus tres goles. Un hat-trick. Muchas gracias. ¿Cómo te sentías uh, haciendo todos los goles esta noche? Porque normalmente tú siempre haces las asistencias, ¿no? ¿Cómo te sentiste? Gracias. Oh, una felicidad muy grande porque... Como siempre digo, ¿no? A uno le gusta hacer goles. Yo creo que es lo más lindo que, que, que a un jugador le puede pasar. Es una sensación única. Eh, así que hoy, bueno, hoy me tocó a mí por tres, tres veces. Así que nada, muy feliz y, y ojalá que pueda seguir ayudando al equipo, sea con goles o asistencia. For everyone, the question was on how Christian felt uh, this time around scoring the goals um, uh, rather than tallying in assists since he tends to be more of an assist player, uh, to which Christian responded, oh, it's a just very special feeling, a very happy feeling. Uh, I'm always looking forward to helping out my team. And this time I was able to score in three different occasions and each one of them creates a very unique feeling. So overall, very happy for the group and I'm looking forward to contributing more and more. Thank you, Christian. Let's go to Robert Jonas. Uh, thank you. 
you know, at the uh, near the end of the game there, when the referee looked to the video monitor and then came back and pointed to the penalty spot, and and you knew that you were going to have a chance to to win the game, you heard the crowd rise. It was loud. As it, it was exciting. Talk about those moments leading up to that kick. What was going through your mind as you uh, scored that game-winning goal tonight? Ah, en ese momento decirle que mucha se siente quizá la, la presión de saber que, que si haces el gol ganas el partido, si lo ras empatamos, pero eh, uno tiene que tratar de estar focalizado sin pensar tanto en, en, en lo que en el griterío de afuera y estar focalizado en, en bueno en la decisión final de a dónde voy a patear el penal. Eh, son sensaciones que eh, quizás momentos que uno siempre de chiquito se imaginó algún día me toque patear un penal en el último minuto que si lo haces ganas y bueno hoy por suerte salió y, y estoy muy feliz por eso yeah there's a lot of sensations going on um, and I, you know you're thinking a lot of things uh, at, at that time uh, just because you know that if you score the goal um, you're going to win the game for the team if you miss it well then it's not going to be um, the best result so um, there's just a lot going on through my head, but at the end of the day, you just got to make sure that you stay focused, calm, and um, choose where you want to hit the shot. Um, there was a lot of roars going on around the stadium, um, so I was able to hear that, but I just maintained my focus on the penalty. And it's just one of those moments that are just very special. You dream of those moments as a kid, thinking, you know, uh, I'm really looking forward to scoring that last goal in the last minute. Um, to be able to get that win and fortunately that was the case for us so overall just very excited thank you we're going to take two more questions starting with abel and guiano hi christian thanks for uh thinking, taking the time to answer my question and congrats on the three goals um in your opinion what was the turning point in the match uh how did the attack begin clicking in the second half, despite being down 3-1. Thank you. Yo pienso que el, el equipo nunca se rindió. Fue algo que, que yo creo que hace cuatro años atrás, cuando Matías llegó acá, eh, fue una de las cosas que, que él nos, nos ha enseñado muy bien, que fue nunca rendirnos. Incluso cuando el, el resultado parezca desfavorable para nosotros, porque eh, ya nos ha tocado estar en, en, en situaciones parecidas. Y quizás hoy para, para todos era, un, era algo extraño que suceda, que podamos dar vuelta al resultado por el rival, porque Seattle es un gran equipo, eh, es un equipo que, que generalmente pelea todas las competencias y... Y, y quizás para todos era algo, algo imposible, pero eh, si hay algo que este equipo aprendió muy bien fue eso, nunca rendirse, siempre pelear hasta el final, eh, nunca dejar de atacar, aunque vayamos perdiendo 3 a 1 porque esto es fútbol, el, fútbol dura, el partido dura 90 minutos eh, o lo que el referí diga, entonces mientras haya tiempo para, para poder eh, dar vuelta a un resultado es lo que tenemos que hacer, seguir peleando hasta el final. Yeah, the team just had a very um, strong attitude, uh, never giving up. It was something that Matias instilled uh, on this group four years ago when we first got here. Uh, to never give up, to fight every for every game. And we have been in this situation um, numerous times in the past where we were able to flip the score and um, come down from behind or trailing 
uh, in goals. Uh, and it's something that we just took it hard and we just took it on as a team. And fortunately, we were able to do that tonight. And uh, maybe it was something that was just uh, unexpected by the opponent that we were facing. Seattle's a very strong team, as we, as everyone knows. Um, they're always going to do their best in every game. And we were able to um, come for uh, for a victory. So uh, the team, everyone did a really good job. Everyone had uh, just fought for every single ball, and fortunately, it went well for us today. Thank you, Christian. One final question coming from Paula Maruri. Muy buenas noches, Cristian. Felicitaciones por el triunfo, por los goles. Mi pregunta es, ¿cómo fue el manejo de las emociones durante el partido para obtener este triunfo y también ser un líder para tu equipo? Muchas gracias. Yo creo que es un punto a veces difícil de controlar. Eh, quizás el equipo venía pasando por unas situaciones bastante difíciles, bueno, con... No, no, no fueron buenos días para nosotros, la verdad, desde lo mental. Eh, pero como grupo siempre nos mantuvimos unidos, sabiendo que, que si cada uno de nosotros daba lo mejor de sí, íbamos a poder sacar eh, toda esta situación adelante. Eh, íbamos a poder, eh, ante cualquier eh, cosa negativa que nos vaya pasando, mismo en un partido, podíamos eh, responder de, de forma favorable. Y, y yo creo que fue lo que, lo que hoy nos pasó, hoy nos mantuvimos calmos, eh, más allá de que íbamos perdiendo al principio 2 a 0, después ellos se pusieron 3 a 1, y, y aunque, como dije, ¿no? quizás eh, parece algo imposible poder empatar y ganar este partido, eh, pero es algo que este, que, que este equipo tiene, que, que nunca se rinde, que siempre va a pelear, eh, que siempre va a ir para adelante, y, y bueno, fue lo que pasó hoy. Eh, con el empuje de todos, eh, pudimos sacar este resultado adelante. For everyone, the question was on how the team was able to maintain uh, or their, their process throughout the game today after trailing a few times during the game, to which Christian responded, uh, the, the team just were, they were just able to hold themselves together. Uh, without going too much further back, we, were, we did go through some difficult moments um, this past week. But the team just stood together. We were able to fight through it, and we were able to just focus on this game tonight. Um, we were down to zero, and then the game result changed to three-one. But we never gave ourselves up. We were able, we were always trying to do our best, and we flipped the score around. And luckily, we were able to take the win. So this team is very united. We're always staying together. Um, we're trying not not give up, and I think that's something that this quakesepicenter.com. You can also follow us on social media on Twitter. 
as well. There it is right at the bottom of the screen. You can find our Patreon on the website as well. That is particularly what you can see on the bottom there. For only uh, $2, you can unlock $2 per month. You can unlock the first perk of our Patreon, which is to get early access to the videos and articles that are published there. There are wonderful articles that are written by folks like Robert Jonas and Jamin Moore and Alex Morgan and Anay Patel and a lot of very talented people that we have on our staff. If you, if you contribute $5 a month, you will also get access to our Slack where you can chat with us and other uh, folks who are a part of the Patreon or our patrons, if you would, and contribute $5 a month or more. So I just wanted to make sure I put that out there before we went any further. Um, also, and I'll bring this up again at the end, make sure you like and subscribe to the show. Um, let's go ahead and talk about, about uh, what you left off with, because I know the folks wanted to hear the end of your point, Jamin, before we talk about Christian Espinoza, uh, and that is Covello's approach relative to what Matias Almeida was, uh, his approach to the team was, whether it was tactics uh, or, or whatever else in regards to his approach to the game. So I'll let you finish that point. Yeah, uh, no, thanks. I appreciate people wanting to hear the end of this. So um, the main thing that it's important to understand about Almeida's system as compared to other coaching systems, is that it prioritizes a completely different set of things. Um, and uh, he, he basically uh, does what, what coaches call selling out the structure. Uh, so sometimes you'll hear someone say, like the defense, you know, sold out their structure in a particular situation. So what, he, what is, is uh, uh, defense prioritizes is winning the duel that's in front of them first and prioritizing winning the duel, stopping the ball where it's at, and then having an opportunity to immediately be able to counter before the defense gets set. In theory, it sounds like a great idea. In practice, we've seen what actually happens uh, when you don't have any structure in the back. Once the team gets out of the dual situation, the race is on, in effect, right? So uh, what uh, we, I talked to Cavello about was a little bit about like how does his system you know, kind of differ from that. One of the things he emphasized to us even this past week was that we need to have structure. Now tonight at times, and he talked about this in so many words uh, in his portion of the press conference, he basically said, we were too aggressive in the first half. You know, they were, they were kind of acting a little too much like they were still playing for Almeida there. And he tried to pull them back a bit at halftime. And in the second half, we saw, I think, a little bit better what Alex Cavello's system is like compared to Almeida. But Cavello was also very complimentary and said that I've incorporated many, I've learned a lot from Matias. And I've incorporated many uh, things from his system into my system as well. And namely, that's uh, basically the, the kind of the, the repressing, or some people say uh, gen pressing, um, uh, counter pressing, whatever term you like to use. Uh, he incorporates a lot of those pressing principles that he's picked up from Almeida into his philosophy. So actually what you saw tonight, a lot of go back and watch the game. This is a really good game to go back and watch. So go back and watch it. And what you will see is when the Quakes lose the ball, there are people around to try to win the ball back in almost every situation. Here's the difference. The difference is he doesn't sell out the structure in order to try to win the ball back. He still keeps the structure in place in the middle of the pitch. Even if he gives up the wings a bit, he still kept the structure in place in the middle of the pitch, particularly in the second half. The team, I think, actually kind of got it a bit better. The first half, not, not quite as much. And that actually led to the counter uh, you know, for for uh, both of the fir uh, the first goal, uh, and then in in some ex in, in many cases the third goal uh, a little bit as well. But uh, there were definitely some improvements there. But you could see 
that repressing, that uh, counterpressing is not done just because Almeida is gone. It actually looks very, very similar. And in fact, I think confused Robert and I at first because we're kind of like, it doesn't look that much different. You have to look a little bit deeper in order to see some of the differences because that still ability to win the ball right away and try to win it back within like five seconds, like a, like Barcelona used to teach and such like that. And, and like you see Pep Guardiola today still try to do and Liverpool and others, you know, with the, with this kind of repressing style um, that's, that's what is they're attempting to do. I'm not going to say I'm a coach and I've got it all figured out here, but uh, that's something that you will see. I think stick a bit is that counter pressing uh, when the quicks lose the ball, trying to win it back quickly. Okay, great. Let's uh, let's move over really quickly to our reactions to Christian Espinoza in the press conference, and then we'll go ahead and wind up the show. Uh, Robert, I'm going to go ahead and send it back over to you first. You had a question about the game, what that meant to him. Um, any thoughts regarding uh, Espinoza's responses to your question or other questions during the press conference? Yeah, I just want to kind of sig single out something he said about, uh, I think we can all yeah, we all have these moments in the backyard or wherever it might be where we're, we're taking the game-winning shot on a basketball hoop or we hit the, the the grand slam in the bottom of the ninth inning and you know in soccer terms you know scoring a goal to win a game in the in the last second is something we all dream about and it was wonderful to hear him mention that as uh, as he talked about that last goal stepping up to the spot with the the crowd is probably as loud as i've heard it here at uh, paypal stadium all season um, the, the excitement uh, of everyone, the anticipation, and he didn't let him down. You know, he knew that, you know, he could have, uh, you know, been the, you know, the, the, the go to the game if he had uh, missed it. And, but uh, he picked his spot, stayed calm and, and, and put it home. He seemed to be very happy to, to kind of share that. So that was a, a real big positive. It's uh, another thing I kind of want to share somewhat related is I can hear the, uh, the parking lot from up here. Uh, and every time I know a player is stepping outside that gate, the screams and the yells from the fans that have stuck behind to get autographs and say hello to the players is also a, a sound. Uh, we just have heard a lot around the stadium of late so i think it's another one of those you know really good moments and a really special night for for a lot of earthquakes players and uh, of course the fans too are are getting to celebrate just like espinosa the uh, the game-winning goal at the end of the at the end of the time at the end of the game yeah definitely um all right, Jamin, I'm going to send it back over to you for any final thoughts about Christian Espinosa. And if you want to go ahead and lead us into the final thoughts section right after that, then uh, we'll have you start with that. We'll hit, uh, we'll go over to Robert and then I'll finish it up and wrap it up. Yeah, no, it, it, so I think you saw a little bit, you know, what I was talking about uh, where, you know, he definitely, you know, kind of put the team, you know, on his back tonight. He carried the ball the way that you expect a DP to do as well as Jamiro Montero. So the two DPs that were on the pitch carried the ball tonight. I think we want to see a lot more of that. I think the fans would want to see that. They're two of the most exciting players, not that the Quakes, the Quakes have, a, have quite a few exciting players. I mean, uh, you know, Kate Cal, Jeremy Abobasi, Shofis uh, when he's healthy, Benji Kukanovic, uh, finally back tonight, got some minutes. Jay Salinas, fantastic to see him, uh, you know, back on the bench and hopefully he'll be getting minutes here soon. But, um, you know, those two players, have to continue to be big for me. Uh, you know, Christian Espinoza tonight, I think, showed why he's he is a leader in this team and why, you know, it's important for him to continue to have this type of engagement. All right. Robert Jonas, uh, final thoughts? 
Um, there's one thought I'm going to I'm going to send out there, and it's uh, some a thought that was shared to me by uh, Fabian Renkel. He elbowed me next to me here in the press box, uh, pointed out a tweet from OptiJack, and I went ahead and retweeted that. So if you're on social media, you'll definitely find it. But it was an amazing stat, and and I think you know in a game that you know a lot of folks are going to remember for for all its heroics, good and bad and otherwise. You know, according to the statistics, you know the Sounders have won 123 straight. Major League Soccer games, and that includes the playoffs when they have had a two or more goal lead. Uh, they haven't uh, lost a game since 2009 uh, when that's been the case. So, you know, this is a Sounders team that you know knows victory and usually cruises to victory when they when they get that kind of uh, advantage. Um, but uh, tonight was the night that streak, that long, long streak, came to an end. And I think you know it's uh, not a fluke. This was a this was a Quakes team that that showed that they could play to the end. A question I didn't get to ask Covella in the press conference, maybe during the week I will, is you know he only used three of his five available substitutes tonight. You know, it was really apparent that he was trusting the guys on the field to carry it home as best as they could to maybe get that game winner, at the very least preserve a tie instead of trying to bring in more fresh legs. And they delivered. They delivered big time in, in, a, in a game that, uh, you know, may, may prove to be a turning point for this team. And if, uh, if it is, fantastic. If it's uh, just a, a win we can all celebrate on an April 23rd, then, then we're going to do that as well. So, you know, one way or the other, just a, a fantastic night out. Yeah, on the night, once again, that Frank Yellow gets inducted into the Quakes Hall of Fame. They pick up the points. Uh, I My thoughts are that the, the, the Quakes' next match against New York City FC is going to be a great opportunity for them to pick up some points on the road. I mean, it's tough to travel all the way across the states and play on that tiny little postage stamp pitch that they have there at Yankee Stadium. But the fact is, NYCFC has been off to a terrible start this season. They only have seven points. This is a chance for the Quakes to get a point, if not more, on the road and carry some of that momentum into the, uh, you know, going into the middle part of the season here. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up is that the Sounders are going to get another chomp at the bit here against the Quakes. Uh, not too far down the line. I have it here, May 11th, Jamin. I think that's, that's when they're going to be playing up there at Starfire uh, in, in Washington. Um, I don't know exactly which city that is. That's closer to you, Jamin. It's not in Seattle proper if I'm, you know. Yeah, no, I, I actually went up to Starfire tonight, uh, today. Uh, yeah. I took a couple of pictures. I'm going to share them on the Slack later for anyone who's not seen the Starfire facility. They can fit about 4,000 in there. There's probably not enough room for the uh, the media to fit in the press box, so I have no idea where I'm going to be yet. Uh, I'm hoping I'll, I'll be able to get into the game somehow, some way. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big soccer facility with a lot of kiddie fields and everything else going around and the uh, the Sounders Academy plays there and they're going to play a game there you know on uh, on one of the pitches with that has some a grandstand so uh, should be a lot of fun if anyone knows that's the site of the red card wedding from a few years back where Clinton Dempsey ripped up the referee's notebook uh, and uh, was suspended basically for the rest of his career and even if he decides to unretire he probably would still be suspended so I'll share some uh, a couple of pictures that I took uh, on the uh, Slack with the uh, with the patrons on that uh, probably uh, tomorrow. Yeah, definitely go check out the uh, for all y'all out there. Go check out the interview that Jamin did with Jeremiah, uh, who was I think Sounders at Heart. Uh, great. Uh, great. Sound, so at, at Sounder at Heart or uh, Sounder at Heart uh, dot com. Jeremiah and the team there at Sounder at Heart do do a lot of great work, and they publish a ton of articles. You know, we're busy on video. They are just as busy on articles. So uh, if you want to read a bit, 
uh, about CCL and everything coming up. That's going to be a great destination to keep track of what's going on uh, with the CCL storylines uh, surrounding the Sounders. Yeah, and I, I think you had mentioned in your interview with Jeremiah that MLS fans tend to be pretty split on whether or not they want the Sounders to be the first to win the CONCACAF Champions League in the modern era. So, I yeah, think if they had won tonight, I think the Quakes fans would have uh, probably felt a little worse about it. Maybe they can feel a little bit better because now if the Sounders win CONCACAF, then don't you by virtue, don't the Quakes then become the CONCACAF champions? That's right. <laughs> I think that's the way it works, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, um, okay, all that being said, go check out the work once again on QuakesEpicenter.com. There's a lot of good stuff there, including these interviews. You can find us on YouTube. Most of you are already there already. Uh, and check out the Patreon. Be become a contributor. Become a patron. Join, the, join this movement of independent Quakes media so that we can um, all enjoy this team together and reflect upon the, the, the games and whatnot. So uh, for Robert and Jamin, I just want to say uh, thank you for joining us tonight. And we will be back soon in our next postgame match against NYCFC. Make sure you like and subscribe and take care. Have a good night.